I want to be attentive to what the Lord is doing in our midst right now. And um, the Lord is present to bring comfort and hope no matter what the circumstances of life. And so even as sometimes it's hard to listen when you're hurting, this message is a message of hope. And it's about Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. We have been in a series in the Gospel of Luke, and we're slowly making our way verse by verse and chapter by chapter. And in this, we saw that Jesus went into the synagogue early on in this book, and he declared that the Spirit of the Lord was upon him. And when he did that, A little bit later, even though people were appreciating that, then all of a sudden when he started to speak a little more, the crowd got furious. Remember, they wanted to shove him off the cliff, and the Lord helped him to walk supernaturally right away from that danger. But we see over and over, as Jesus starts to reveal who he is as Savior and Lord, that there starts to become a divide. And last week we heard about the um, Pharisees, the religious leaders, wanting to get on his case about why weren't his disciples fasting. And so there was this tension that was starting to build. And today we read further in the Gospel of Luke. And so we're at Luke 6, verses 1 to 11. So Luke 6, verses 1 to 11. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and his disciples began to pick some heads of grain rub them in their hands, and eat the kernels. Some of the Pharisees asked, Why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? Jesus answered them, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God, and taking the consecrated bread, he ate what was lawful only for priests to eat, and he also gave some to his companions. Then Jesus said to them, The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. On another Sabbath, he went into the synagogue and was teaching. And a man was there whose right hand was shriveled. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. But Jesus knew what they were thinking And said to the man with the shriveled hand, Get up and stand in front of everyone. So he got up and stood there. Then Jesus said to them, I ask you, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy it? He looked around at them all and then said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He did so, and his hand was completely restored. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were furious and began to discuss with one another what they might do to Jesus. This is God's word for us. Furious. March Madness basketball, Final Four, came down to a game between Wisconsin and Kentucky. My family is from Kentucky. Maybe you remember that. 
And so I was rooting for the Kentucky Wildcats, who were undefeated. And my husband and probably everybody else in Michigan, probably, including my son, was um, rooting for Wisconsin. And so it was a tight game. And I don't, did any of you watch it? Yeah, some of you, yeah, you watched it, right? So it was close and it was exciting. And it was coming down to the final few minutes and there was a rebound. And the players, I don't know if this is the exact shot, but there were the players from both teams were trying to grab the rebound. And it went off somebody's finger and out of bounds. And so just like the Pharisees were watching Jesus every move, everybody in that arena and everybody on television was watching the replays and was wondering whose finger did that ball go off. And when they made the ruling, it went off Wisconsin, and I was, yes, I was a fan, I was a follower, yes. And Dane was furious, along with everybody else that did not want that particular call, right? So we're watching the same thing. Some people are excited about this. Other people are furious. Well, in our text today, they're starting to become a team, or they're starting to part ways. And so some people are following Jesus and are really, really excited about what they see him doing. And then there's these others that are forming a team that are opposing, not understanding, and really getting furious and frustrated with Jesus. Who is he? What is he doing? What is he saying? What is he teaching others? And so it's starting to draw between teams, as it would be, between Jesus and the religious leaders. And so that's kind of the context. They were frustrated with that ruling or that decision on fasting and what Jesus said about, well, why would, why would the bridegroom and the bride, if they're together, that's not a time for fasting. Remember last week, Pastor Dave talked about that. Fasting is when you're grieving and you're crying out for deliverance. Well, if the groom and the the bride are together, that's not a time. That's a time of celebration. Fasting can come later, but not right now. They did not like that call. And so they were calling it a flagrant foul, and they're just watching. They're watching. So they're watching them walk through a field. Now, what are they doing out there in the field watching for this? But they are really scrutinizing Jesus' every move. All right? Now, well... Calling, somebody is moving, or somehow this is happening. Calling two fouls. All right, in this text, if you notice, there were two kind of different stories here. The first one was about the grain field, and then the second one was what was going on when Jesus was teaching. And it's like they're upset, the religious leaders, and they're calling two fouls. Well, what were the two fouls? Working on the Sabbath. And then the second one, they didn't articulate, but they were thinking it. He's getting ready to heal, and he's going to work on the Sabbath. And so they're calling two fouls on Jesus Christ. Well, the first one has to do with them walking through the field and just picking up a little grain and moving it in their hand. What was the Sabbath? For us in this culture, maybe we aren't as familiar with thinking about what did that mean, the Sabbath? Well, it's taken from God in creation, where he worked six days, and on the seventh day he rested, right? He rested. So it was a day of rest. And then in the commandments, um, the Lord had um, given 
that there would be a day that would be kept holy, right? Holy unto the Lord. No work on that day. And so the Pharisees and the religious leaders are looking and they're thinking the Sabbath was meant to be holy and it was meant to have a day of rest. Well, if you remember, okay, this clicker is double clicking. The day of rest, they added, remember the religious leaders, they would take something and then they would add to it. And so they added what was... God had said, have a day of rest. They added 39 rules. They called it the book of 39 minus 1, or 40 minus 1, so 39. 39 rules about what you could and couldn't do on this particular day. And so walking through, even though these people are hungry, they walk through the field and they pick up some grain and they go like this, And they're saying, oh, they're harvesting, they're thrashing, they're winnowing, and they're preparing food. So it's breaking four rules. So they were upset about this. The rule book. I'm going to, if I, if that does that again, can you guys help me out in the back so that it, I don't know why it's double clicking. So Jesus looks to the rule book, which is what they're actually working off of, but he says, all right. Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God, and taking this consecrated bread, he ate what is lawful for only the priest to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. And I can almost imagine that they started to squirm a little bit. And they started to think, oh, no, please don't bring up that story, because we really don't understand that one. We think maybe he wasn't watching that play or something. Maybe it got by the Lord, but we just don't really understand. We can't give a good answer for why that didn't get punishment. But um, Jesus brings that one story up. And if you remember the religious leaders, how much of the Old Testament did they have memorized? All of it. So they knew what Jesus was talking about. Well, all right, so then they go on to the second one. Well, here's this man, and Jesus is teaching, and there's somebody with a shriveled hand, and they're just watching. They're waiting. They're thinking, he's going to do it. He's going to do it. He's going to heal, and we're going to get him on this one. We'll call a foul on this one, because this one, this healing could wait. Well, the rules about what the Sabbath could and couldn't do, there was, you know, as I told you, there were 39 rules about what could be done on that. Well, let me tell you what can be done on that. It's okay to have a baby. For anybody that's ever had a baby, we say hallelujah. Because can you imagine if they say, could you hold that urge to push for 24 hours? Just hold it. Hold it because this is the Sabbath and we don't want to work on the Sabbath. Well, thank goodness that was one appropriate way that people could work when it needed to happen was to have a baby. But they certainly did not feel like that this healing would need to happen on that day. They thought, this is something that could wait. Well, Jesus, he was self-controlled. I want you to notice that when you stand in a position of kingdom authority, you don't have to get defensive. You don't have to get loud and obnoxious. You know who you are, and you know whose you are. And so Jesus is self-controlled. And he uses the word to interpret the word. And he starts to explain to them. Jesus 
is compassionate. He's cool under pressure. And he has a word of knowledge. Did you notice that it said here, um, Jesus knew, in verse 8 it says, but Jesus knew what they were thinking and said to the man with his shriveled hand. He knew what they were thinking. Jesus was fully human. But he was also fully God and he was anointed with the Holy Spirit and given this gift to know what the people were thinking. And so he knew what they were thinking. He also knew what the Father wanted in that moment. And Jesus was bold. He asked the person to stand up. And then in addition to his teaching, which was a public proclamation, there was also a demonstration of his authority. Those two go hand in hand, and you'll see that in Luke over and over and over again. Now let's look at this. If you were filming this, think about this from the, another camera angle, just like in the basketball game, right? We watched those replays, and there were all these camera angles. Let's look at it from the camera angle of what about the man who needed healing. Think about how much faith and courage it took to stand up and to bring his brokenness and his need before the Lord. Charlotte, I think even of the courage it takes to pray, right, when there's brokenness and we want to bring our need before the Lord. Pastor Dave talked and gave that example of the crushed cup, right, the brokenness, the healing that we stand in need of. We need healing. We need the Lord's touch. But it takes courage to bring that out into the open. He was there in a public setting, but Jesus asked him to stand up, to bring it out right in the open. And I can imagine that this man recognized that there were probably tensions in the room that day, right, of what, what were people thinking, what would they think if he stood up. And then Jesus says, you know, stretch out your hand. Well, that guidance, he had to take a step of faith and obedience to stretch out his hand. And he wasn't deterred at all but what, by anybody else's what they thought, what they would say, because he heard the voice of a loving God through Jesus, right, say, stretch out your hand. And so he trusted that whatever happened when he stretched out his hand, it was going to be good because Jesus was good. Jesus said, I ask you, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy it? Jesus does not communicate with them on their terms. They're thinking that this is all about work on the Sabbath, and he changes it and puts it in the context, his context, of this is about doing good or not doing good. This is not about work on the Sabbath. This is about doing good or not doing good. And so you can see that for Jesus, to not do good is the opposite of doing good, right? I mean, there wasn't a choice. There were, he was faced with a choice, and the choice was to do what his father wanted him to do, which was to heal. Now, the wisdom of God put these religious leaders in a predicament. Because if they answered, well, it's good to heal, then they were going to lose their hometown advantage because people were already starting to follow Jesus, and they didn't want that to happen. 
But if they said, well, it's better to do evil, well, then that would put them in, uh, um, they'd lose their credibility because the day was to be kept holy. And so certainly evil shouldn't be done on the Sabbath. And so when they're faced with what Jesus is asking them to say, should I do good or should I do evil, they don't want to answer either way. And so they just sit there in this sullen silence. And Jesus looks at them with those piercing, loving eyes. And it says he looked at them, and then he told the person to stretch out their hand. And I have a feeling that Jesus wasn't necessarily looking at the person at that moment of who needed the man with the shriveled hand, I think he was looking at every one of those Pharisees, looking them in the eye. Do you see my love? Do you see my authority? Go ahead, stretch out your hand. And I think when that person stretched out their hand, there was just amazement that this miracle would happen right in their midst, right in their midst, right in the synagogue. Jesus demonstrates his authority. Jesus' authority. The Son of Man, he said, is the Lord of the Sabbath. He said that in the first part of this text. He's the Lord of the Sabbath. When he says that, he's making a paradigm-shifting statement because they would know that God gave this command. And so if Jesus is saying he's the Lord of this command that he's the one that interprets the rules, that he's the one that calls the shots on this, then Jesus is saying he's God. And they, of course, you'll see later on, they're going to start accusing him of blasphemy. Jesus is higher than any player or coach or team. It's like he owns the whole NBA. He's over it all. He owns it all. He calls the shots. He calls the rules. The Lordship of Jesus Christ. And so, what does this mean for us? What does this mean for you? What does this mean for you, Nick? What does this mean for you, Lois? What does this mean for you, Jan? Is Jesus the Lord of all? Can he call the shots in my life or can he not? What about when the Lord asks us to serve in some way? Some of you are stepping into, I know at least a couple of you, into mission opportunities this summer. And so when he called, there was a choice to make. Am I going to let him be my Lord, not just my Savior, but am I going to let him be the Lord of my life? Am I going to let him call the shots? The Essenbergs have just had this decision. Are you, you know, the Lord's calling us here to serve as director of children's and youth ministry, right? And so am I going to let the Lord be the Lord? Am I going to submit to his leadership or not? What about when he asks us to bring out our brokenness for healing? Pastor Dave and I have tried to model this, of being willing when the Lord asks us to bring a story out, to share that. There's a risk in being vulnerable, right? There's a risk. But if we're doing it because out of obedience then we trust that God's good purposes are going to be fulfilled. What about when the Lord asks us to form deep friendships with people that are different than us? It stretches us. It puts us out of our comfort zone, right? But if God asks us to do that, are we willing to let him be the Lord? Our sexuality, our finances, whatever that case may be, 
is Jesus Lord or not? Can he call the shots in my life? One time, um, there was a family in our church, a previous church where we were, and they had five children, and they did not have a car. And the Lord just kept bringing that to mind and bringing that to mind and bringing that to mind about the need of that family. And I felt like the Lord was saying, give them your van. And I had this blue van. I know some of you think vans are not cool, but I thought it was very cool. Um, I loved my van. Uh, We had gotten it um, partly as a gift from my grandma, and um, I had had it since it was brand new, taking good care of it, taking my children around in it. I loved that van. It sat up high. It had a curved dashboard that I kind of thought was like Star Wars or something. I loved it. And I could put my feet up. When Dane was driving, I could put my feet up on that dashboard. I loved that van. And I felt like the Lord was saying, give that van to that family. Lord, I love that van. That's my van. You certainly couldn't be asking me to do that. And just over and over, like instant replay, watching it over and over, I would think of that family. I'd think of those kids. I'd think of the need for transportation. And I couldn't get it off my mind. And so Dane and I talked, and um, God gave us the grace, even though I didn't want to do it. Um, God gave us the grace to go ahead and tell that family that the Lord was telling us to give them our van. I did not have a replacement. I didn't even know where that was going to come from. But it seemed like the Lord was saying, give them your van. And so um, let the title of that van roll off, just like that basketball rolled off that player's hand. Just let that title go and go into this other family's hands. Well, I'm so thankful to say that that van ran for over 300,000 miles and served them for years. And so praise God. But it came to a kind of a crisis of who's in charge? Who's in charge of my life? Well, who's in charge here at Gold Avenue Church? Well, Jesus is Lord and Savior. And so a couple of examples of that. I don't know if some of you remember or not, but back a few months ago, we had an unusual situation happen on a Sunday morning service where Tommy stood up and accepted Christ that day, and there was no sermon. Well, our tradition is that we would have a sermon every Sunday, every Sunday, Well, the word came differently that morning. The word came alive and active, and he was born again in our midst. And so we have to look at that, and we looked at that as a leadership team and discerned it later. Was that okay or not? Well, yes, because Jesus is Lord, and he can move in our midst however he wants to move. And what about in our children's ministries? Well, we've said, yes, Jesus is Lord. Sharon could have said, no, Sunday school's been this way, and we should just keep it all just the exact same way. But prayer, teamwork, communication, maybe we should go ahead and start children's worship and Sunday school, right? Because we're trying to all submit to the Lordship of Jesus and see how can we cooperate with him and what he's wanting to do in the lives of children and families. Well, now the question comes to us, what about adult discipleship? What are we going to do? And I think this is something that the board is calling us to pray about. How do we grow as followers of Jesus Christ? And so some of us are very used to BSF. And some of us are used to copyright materials. And some of us are used to learning about the Lord in small groups and accountability triads. 
Some of us have used Navigator's materials. Some of us have never done a Bible study in our lives, and it makes us really nervous to think about gathering together in a smaller group to talk about the Word. But what and how would the Lord have us to grow? And so we're posed with the question, how would the Lord lead us? And will we follow his lordship? Will he be the Lord of this church? And so as we pray about this together, we're going to seek to discern how is he leading us? How is he calling us to stand up and stretch out our hand and receive his goodness? Because he doesn't put off blessing his children. Always, always, Jesus is compassionate. And so we look to him who is Lord and Savior. We can trust him. He's good. His mercies are new every morning. And great is his faithfulness. And so Jesus is both Lord and Savior. Let's pray. Lord, I ask that you would help us to follow you. Jesus, thank you that you didn't spare your life, but you gave it up for us. And so, Lord, would you help us even more day by day and moment by moment to follow your guidance? Lord, you are good, and we love you. Amen.